Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I have the great pleasure of bringing on an old friend, Dylan Davis, who is, in my mind, probably one of the most extreme OCR athletes that I've ever met. He lives and breathes the most difficult events that they toss at him. He seems to enjoy it. I can't wrap my head around it, so I thought I'd bring him on to talk about it. So the topic of this discussion is going to revolve around extreme challenges. And it seems that Joe DeSena has pretty much outdid himself and been throwing down this new Agogi challenge. And since Dylan has done the first two and has already registered for the next one, I thought it'd be fun to bring him back and let us talk about it. So Dylan, say hello. What's up? How you doing, Rich? I'm good. I'm good. All right, man. So, Dylan, um, you and I talked about Death Race in pretty extensive fashion last time we spoke. Yeah. And uh, now the gears have shifted. There's no more Death Race. Now it's a Gogi. And I'm assuming that you understand the rationale for the shift in nomenclature and what have you. Can you kind of let the audience know what transpired why it be- no longer became death race and now it's a gogi so i don't know if the death race is totally done with but i can tell you for right now that the death race is on the back burner and there's other projects that uh that need attention so those new events are uh, are called the agogi and we're doing winter events and summer events and it's all about training and and learning about uh certain survival techniques and things that are good to know for events like the death race. So it could be considered like a type of training could eventually lead back into something, uh, something as serious as a death race. So my understanding is the difference between the two types of events is that in death race, the focus is to cause you to quit. And yeah. in agogi, it's more a function of team building and getting you through it and getting everybody through it. Is that kind of right? Yeah, definitely. So Agogi is more of a an event. It's it's going to be a positive experience for pretty much everybody that can show up to to an event like this. Whereas the Death Race, it was only a uh, let's say like a, a positive or rewarding experience for the people that could hang around and finish. It's um kind of like how military selection is done. It's it's just about finding who's weak, who's the the weakest links around you and. And, uh, you know, they can get pushed until they break and the toughest hang around. So two different events for two different purposes, totally unique to each other. Um, yeah, not a whole lot of similarities. When you went into a gogi, do you know in advance what's going to transpire, or is it much like Death Race, they just kind of 
throw it at you and you got to take it? Um, you pretty much can get an idea just based off of the gear list. So we had uh, stuff in our, our required gear list for this most recent Agogi 001, uh, which was a winter event just a couple months back. But we had an idea of what we were going to be doing just based off of the gear list. And uh, unlike the death race where the gear list would change every other day, they'd send you a new gear list, there'd be new items, old items would be gone. There's a lot of uh, mind games going on the death race. Agogi was very straightforward. They just sent you a list and said, here's what you need, period. This is the stuff you're going to want to have um, in order to stay warm and dry through the entire event. And they were not kidding. They were totally serious that if you brought what was on the gear list and, and you know held true to their standard of what they said, you were all right. I, I got by just totally fine at 001. I had a good time. And uh, that was because I packed what the gear list suggested. I read a blog. I don't recall who it was that... Uh wrote it, but it was on the Spartan Race blog site yep. where someone talked about his experience with the uh, the winner, Agogi, and mm-hmm. he talked about the gear list, and he talked about that it was important that you definitely made sure that whatever they told you to bring, you had better bring it. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's uh, that would be a wise way to look at it. Um, whenever I approached the gear list, I kind of looked at it from a death race perspective, and uh, that had some shortcomings in some aspects, but uh, it also helped me out in a couple departments as well. So selecting gear and, and you know what you plan on packing and carrying with you and what you plan on actually wearing during the event, it, uh, it all plays into how your experience will, will unfold. What I understand it is you have like three options. You can, you can cut out at 24 hours, 48 hours, or complete the entire event, which was 60 hours. Yeah, and I'm just going to assume that you you did the whole thing yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that that wasn't really an option, uh, especially for zero zero zero. Uh, I tried to quit, and they wouldn't let me. I had to hang around, <laughs> even after I thought I could quit. Um, there was no real option. But I can tell you that uh, there were a handful of people that were able to quit during zero zero one, more recently uh, this winter, and I can tell you that at the sixty hour one. Um, in June coming up, there's going to be the option to quit at 24 hour, 24 and 48 hours. Hmm. So what caused you to want to quit? Oh, man, I just was not having a good time. It was The whole event was all about finding your true north, and I found my true north. I already found it. I was, like, settled on heading on home, packing up my stuff, and being done with it, and uh, it did not go as planned. I was not able to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Was there any particular episode in the in the course of the event that caused you to say, "Look, I've had enough of this. I'm going home." Uh yeah, yeah. It's just pushing those limits, man. I um, I I really feel like I, I've done these events for a while now, and and the ultimate purpose was to to get forced to quit almost. That that death race, uh, the two death races I did back to back. I was always kind of thinking around the corner could pi- could finally be. Uh, you know, the thing that makes me quit. And I never really decided. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I really totally understood what quitting uh, could mean for myself until I uh, went through that zero, zero, zero. Hmm. So collectively, you've gone yeah. through these events. Now, how many death races have you done? Two. I did uh, 2015, both the winter and the summer death race. Okay, and then now, now you've got two agogis under your belt as well, right? Yes. Yep. 
So you got four of these dastardly events under your belt. And are you finding an epiphany? Is there like each time you go out, do you find this this new layer of Dylan Davis that you didn't know about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Every single time I go back to Vermont or uh, wherever for these events, it, it lets me get one layer, you know, deeper into my true north and, and what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be spending my time. And what have you concluded? <laughs> uh, so th- it comes a lot back to uh, my gym and my business and, and what I'm doing here in Pennsylvania and uh, just kind of my game plan for the for the future and what I plan on doing uh, as a career for the rest of my life, which is coaching and, and being a leader. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, l- let's talk about the the approach to Agogi versus Death Race. Now, Death race again. There's really no way to adequately prepare. I would assume. Is there a difference in the ability or approach in preparing for a gogi? Absolutely. Compared to the death race, the agogi um, maybe is like between ten and twenty-five percent of the intensity level of the death race. So uh, at the recent agogi, the most recent one in uh, zero zero. One, we actually got time to sleep. They let us sleep both nights, and uh, they helped us provide ourselves with water and, and certain times to uh, take care of our feet and do other things that we needed to take care of ourselves. Um, very active medical staff that was able to take care of you know minor injuries or even more serious injuries throughout the event. Uh, whereas the death race, there was there was no coddling of of any sorts. It was. You know, pretty brutal when it came to if you need medical medical attention, you can hand in your bib and you can quit. Um, there were no luxuries; they didn't let us uh, get water or other things like that. Uh, you know, source water from them. We could figure out our own ways to get water. They wouldn't give us water. Is uh, is my point? Huh. That's a that's a kind of a different direction they've taken with the gogi. There's um, it's a much more friendly environment. It's a positive environment where. The race staff, the race director, directors—they are trying to help you. They're trying to make sure that you can get through this event and have a positive experience. If you were to read into it, what would you think was Joe's intent? And I know that's really difficult to try to discern, but I'm assuming that he had a tack. There's probably something that he's trying to gather uh, out of this type of format, opposed to what he had done in the past. Yeah, it goes back to like Spartan Race's initial tagline is just the, uh, you know, building better humans, going out there and and trying to find these like-minded people that are driven to take on intense challenges, both physically and mentally. And uh, that's what the Agogi provides. So if you feel like you are up to uh, a high-level physical, mental challenge that will uh, pull the grit out of you and, and force you to make decisions under stress, then a gogi could be the event for you. Huh. You know, i got to tell you, um, I try to wrap my head around it, and I said that earlier on, but let me just kind of explain my position. I, th- I think I'm pretty tough. I mean, at the end of the day, if you press me, I tend to shine. I tend to be able to get through pretty much anything that's tossed at me. But at the same token... I don't invite it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like the guy that, you know, is walks soft, carries a big stick. I don't I don't invite the challenge. 
um, I could take it. I mean, I'm, I don't fear. I don't fear what might happen to me when I expose myself to these circumstances. But I don't know that I feel like I need to peel layers back, you know, to find <laughs> out what what I'm like on the inside. I think I kind of got that figured out. Now, I, I'm clearly I'm, I'm much older than you are, and that may have something to do with it. And I might have taken a different approach mentally had I been, say, 30 years old or 25 years old. <laughs> but I just don't see, in my respect, and, and again, I, I'm outside the box a little bit because I'm so ancient, but in my respect, I just don't see where this would take me other than a lot of discomfort. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I, I just Absolutely. don't... And I, I read a piece that was written by, it was like an interview with, uh, I guess it was a retired Navy SEAL. And they were basically asking him, uh, I forget where exactly I picked it up, but I, I read this piece where there was basically a communication between people that were kind of explaining these thought processes behind the death race and what have you to someone that's gone through some severe training, you know, through buds, uh, buds, and that kind of thing. Anyway, the the gist of the article was this Navy SEAL and or Special Forces cat yeah. suggested that the training that they go through obviously is very severe. The the SEERS training, and I'm very familiar with it because my son has gone through it, yeah. and he gave me a blow-by-blow on what he was put through. And trust me when I tell you, you don't want any part of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but their purpose behind putting themselves through that is pretty well defined. I mean, you do it for God and country. You do it because you're trying to get a promotion. You're yeah. doing. There's a lot of reasons why they they do it. Where in these circumstances, there's really no payback other than internally. I guess you feel like you've challenged yourself. You succeeded the challenge. So, what are your thoughts about that? I mean. Do you feel, obviously, you must feel like there's been a tremendous amount of payment for you yeah. spiritually, whatever, but mm-hmm. kind of put it into context for me so I can better understand it. Um. Okay, well, I'll start by saying I, I feel like the whole aspect of the military-type training, so like going through SEER school or um, what BUDS is about, the... Uh, uh, the the more high level military training processes that people can go through, even the most difficult event that you could ever scheme up for training, the type of stuff that you do in training could never compare to the types of things you could experience in in actual combat in in real wartime, um, and that that's something that I reflect upon. And uh, whenever I do these types of events, I know it's a it's an absolute privilege. It's a it's a blessing that I'm able to go and do these things and push the limits of my body. And, and I'm a civilian. I'm, I, I own a gym. I'm a CrossFit coach. And uh, just for a weekend, I can go out and push the limits of human performance and, and do things that um, seem impossible to most people. But whenever you push those limits, it, it has the same type of type of effect that I can assume it happens for uh, you know, these high-level military training events that it puts things in perspective. It allows you to take a step back and really appreciate uh, how awesome life is. You know, I'm, I mean, over here eating a mango, Rich. <laughs> Delicious mango. And I've got water right here, and I'm just, I'm all set. I'm going to have a nice day. I'm going to, 
already trained this morning and I don't know, it, it lets you really appreciate the little things in life that may otherwise go right under the radar. Yeah, well, I, I shouldn't probably share this, but I can't help myself. It's just like those things I do. My son, is that I suggested to you, is in the military now. He's been in the military for about nine years, and he's a special operator. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he's been to places that are less conducive to health than, and I, I really can't share, but I, sure. I, can, I can only tell you that he's been in some pretty bad places. Yep. And the training that they put him through to prepare for what might be inevitable if you get if you get caught, if you became captured, um, it's really harsh, man. <laughs> Just yeah. really hard. And I was really kind of surprised because you know it's my kid, so I was really kind of surprised that he got through it. That he actually, you know, not only just survived, but he thrived through the, this this odorous training that they put him through. And he, you know, it was like tough for him, but we sat down with a couple beers and he kind of gave me a blow-by-blow of what they essentially did to him. And there's some things that are classified they can't talk about, but at the end of the day, um, they taught him some things that he would have never learned otherwise. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, and this is kind of a funny example, but uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. My dog sheds. I have a kind of a mixed-breed dog, a fairly short-haired dogs, kind of like part pit bull, part Akita. I don't know what the hell the dog is, but it's sure. it, yeah. you know, it's a black dog, right? Okay. <laughs> and uh, it yeah. sheds a little bit. So my kid actually, when he's over, he kind of rubs his hand across the carpet and ends up pulling up some some hair from the dog that was shed. And in a matter of a few minutes, he weaved it into a rope. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell did you do that? And it was, and it wasn't a very long rope, but I mean, you could pretty much um, pick things up with it. I mean, it was, I don't know how tensely strong it was, but uh, I could see where if he was pressed with enough time, he could have braided the dog hair out of the carpet into a functional rope, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, that's very impressive. <laughs> that might be something we'll integrate into uh, the next Agogi. Yeah. Rope weaving. The the skill sets that they gathered from it were pretty impressive, and I'm assuming the Agogi's probably on that tack. They're trying to teach you things opposed to having you learn things on your own. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The death race was just like getting dropped off the face of the earth, and you know they tell you good luck, and maybe we'll see you at the finish line, maybe we won't. But uh, for a gogi, they, they pretty much spent the entire first day teaching us about how to spend a night out in the woods, how to spend a night out in the cold, and how to deal with uh, the cold temperatures and the, you know, the landscape that we're on and how to adapt and figure stuff out. And then they tested us on it. We went out and spent the night in the woods. So what I gathered from what I read, that this winter agogi was pretty mm-hmm. cold, huh? It was like 20 yeah. below? Yeah, it was uh, 20 below the thermometer was reading and then i guess with uh windshield it was down to negative 38 at some points wow 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 wow! and you slept out in that stuff right yeah we slept out on the mountain so sleeping bag sleeping bag yeah with the um a bivy sack and the we set out tarp and uh we made a a shelter out of tarp and some other materials that we were able to gather and it was a pretty nice time man I i had a great time a lot of fun out there you know, I'm ex-military myself, 
and back in the day, before you were born, um, I spent some time in the Bavarian Alps. Mm. And like, I don't know how long, I think the longest stint was probably about 60 days. And, um, you know, back then we, we just didn't care. I mean, you know, we were just trying to get through it. We weren't really thinking in terms of how efficiently we could survive anything. Yeah. Um, and I think I probably lost my tent like the first week that I was <laughs> stationed over there. Yeah. So I didn't have a tent. And it's not like you lose your tent, they give you another tent. You just don't you just don't have a tent. <laughs> and I was driving uh well actually I had a driver, but um we had a Jeep assigned to us and back then those the the doors on the Jeep were canvas and I would get in and out of my sleeping bag um fully dressed. So like you learned how to take your clothes off, put your clothes on in the t- in the sleeping bag. Yeah. Because it was so freaking cold out. Right. And yeah. we would just throw the doors of the uh Jeep over top of ourselves to keep the snow off. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And um smart. Yeah, well, it's it is what it was. I mean, it was it was cold. So uh, I don't even know why I went on that rant, but I'm trying to no, I'm like trying it. to relate. I'm trying to relate to this whole process of getting no, out that's, there. Uh, that's good information, and that's like that's the kind of example of stuff that you can learn at these training events because uh, they're all led by military guys. All the all the dudes in charge are, you know, it's it's led by Agogi is led by the vice president of Spartan Race, who is uh, Frank Grippy, and he's also CSM, a command sergeant major in oh. the army. So he's pretty serious business. He knows some cool tricks about um, how to survive in, in some less than hospitable situations. Yeah, I would imagine. Led by something, you know, like a guy like that, you're going to learn some cool stuff. So what was the, like, day one, first 24 hours, a little bit of training, mm-hmm. going to spend the night out in the cold? Yep. Then what happens? Uh, and then the next day we, we learned other stuff. We we learned about navigation and uh, just basic land navigation skills, how to use an altimeter, um, how to find things using a map, which was very interesting. I can tell you that uh, I had no navigation skills going into it, and I feel like I left with uh, at least a little bit of knowledge. Like a topo map? Yeah, a topographical map so you have the uh, elevation change. You can measure the... You know, current elevation, changing elevation as you're moving. I learned that. Yeah, I learned that once upon a time. I I couldn't I couldn't find my way out of a paper bag with a map like that right now, but huh. I did learn that once. Well, it was pretty cool. I, I felt um I felt pretty informed after the event. Yeah. So now, then, did they give you like okay, go from here to there and use your topo map to get there? Or how did it all work out? Yeah, so they gave us a map, and it had five points marked on the map that we had to get to, and they had uh, these, like, checkpoints marked on the mountain at these different uh, points marked on the map. So they had, like, a maybe a two- or three-inch diameter PVC pipe hanging, and it was about a foot long, and there was reflective tape wrapped around the middle of it, and it was hanging from these trees at the specific points that were marked on the map. So we had five points, and we had, like, three hours, to go out and find these points and come back to the camp that we were staying at. Hmm. So that's what we did. And then that's all the course of a 24-hour period. What happens after that? Um, we did some rappelling. We did some climbing. We did some other fun stuff around Joe's uh, Joe's farm in Vermont. Yeah, good times. Uh, yeah, it sounds to me like a lot softer 
approach than the death race. It wasn't encouraging people to quit like the death race. So there were still challenging physical tasks and everything was pretty tough, but it wasn't tough to the point that like you're looking around watching people drop left and right. In retrospect, just comparatively speaking, mm-hmm. and I don't want to, you know, get you in trouble with your pals, but I'm I'm just I'm just a, a guy asking, right? Yep. Would you prefer to do a death race? Oh, uh, a gogi is like retirement for me. It's like, it feels like retirement compared to the death race. The type of toll that the death race would take on my body, uh, it was months. It was months of recovery, physically and mentally. Whereas a gogi, uh, I was back at work Monday morning, ready to rock. I, I didn't skip a beat. I was totally fine and mentally, physically more productive and active than ever. What was the biggest challenge that they threw at you? At uh, this recent Agogi was the cold. There's no way they could have anticipated a better weekend to have that event happen because it was like record-setting cold in Pittsfield, Vermont. So it wasn't about what they had planned for you. It was just what occurred. Yeah, yeah. What they had planned for us were, were all, you know, relatively challenging tasks. For somebody that's out of shape, you're not going to have a fun time for the weekend. But if you're a, a healthy, in-shape person who can handle carrying a backpack around um, at that elevation change, you'd be fine. You'd have a good time. So how how high is the elevation? Oh, geez, I'm not even sure. I want to say like 1,400. Okay, so not really crazy. No, just going up and down the mountain and moving weight around on your feet. How far did you have to travel any given stretch? Um, Never more than a couple miles at a time. Shit. Sounds like something I could do. Yeah, Rich, come on <laughs> out, man. Go have a blast. Me and you, come on out. Oh, no, I don't. You know what? The day I show up, they probably change it all. No. You know, you know what I mean? All of a That's sudden, what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for at Agogi. I'm waiting for them to drop the hammer and for things to get crazy like the death race again. But they never did. I was waiting and waiting, and it never turned into the death race. Everybody was very friendly the entire event. It sounds to me like it's part of a grand scheme, you know? They're trying to lure more people in. I think thing. that's what it is. <laughs> Not only that, but I, I think what it is, too, is it, um, it sounds to me like they're trying to give guys an opportunity to get the, the precursor education that's necessary to survive what's coming next. Bingo. I think you're on to something, Rich. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like buddy. taking the responsibility that, like, you've got to do the gogies uh, so many times before you can do this other thing. And when this other thing comes about, it's going to be the mother of all death races. Oh, man. Let me write that down. That's a really good idea. I think that's what's coming. <laughs> I just can't imagine that he would be uh, uh, looking to, to do anything different. I mean, I don't see Joe softening up. Oh, I don't think Joe's softening up anytime soon, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's uh, it's premeditated. It sounds yeah, to me yeah. like he's got another plan going on. It's on the back burner for a while. It may or may not come back in the future, but I know for right now there's there's other uh, big evolutions happening around Spartan Race. So did you have any design on this uh, Battle Frog 24-hour thing that just went down? Um, I know some people that have uh, went and took a crack at it. I had I had no involvement with it though. I'm I'm not big into uh, 24 hour events. Anything under 24 hours is just not that cool. Yeah, it's not enough time, huh? <laughs> no, not yeah, enough I suffering. More, I need more time to work. Yeah, got to kind of f- fall into your uh, your wheelhouse, right? Yeah, once I get into my rhythm, round hour 30, yeah. then it's all mine. 
I don't know. How'd that go? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Wow. I mean, I, I know. I know some people that did it, but yeah. uh, I guess what I, where I'm headed with this is I, I'm assuming that there seems to be a little bit of peer pressure in producing these longer events among the event producers. In other words, uh, we don't have a 24-hour. They got a 24-hour. We better get a 24-hour. Yeah, let's do it. Do you think that's what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I know Spartan Race doesn't have any 24-hour, like, as many laps as possible. That's a tough mutter thing. The uh, World's Toughest Mutter and then Battle Frog. That's the only events I know of that do that 24-hour duration. I don't totally, I don't think it's that exciting. I, I get really bored with that idea of... Um, Doing the same loop over and over again, it's a, it's. I'm sure it's an excellent challenge, and it's, you know, exciting for the athletes involved in it. But to m- myself, I'm, I'm not interested in something like that. Well, when you've got a carrot that's hung out in front of you, that is to the tune of a hundred thousand bucks, mm. then I could see where a competitive athlete, guys like uh, Ryan Atkins, they're, they're very much uh, tuned into that, that prospect. I oh, think yeah. partially to see whether they can physically do it, uh, assuming they think that they can, and the other end of it being that hey, hundred thousand bucks is hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, I would not pass up the hundred thousand dollars. That sounds great. That part sounds great, but speed laps for twenty four hours, not yeah. so much. Well, I think. Um, well, I know Nicodemus Holland right now is wondering, had he gone solo last year? as opposed to going as a team, would he have had a chance to, to win the event overall? Oh, world's toughest. And I think he I think he had a really good shot, um, had he had he gone by himself. But the the whole team dynamic thing is too tough. I think it's just it's hard to interpret what five people or four people are gonna do for twenty four hours of a hundred miles through yeah. through those obstacles. Part of the fun. It's part of the fun of the risk of the event. You know, there's a lot of uh, moving parts, and there's a lot of ankles that could be rolled on a lot of rocks out there. So I think it's a sucker's bet. Yeah, I, I think the idea to to uh, actually get a hundred thousand bucks because you did a hundred miles um, as a team, there's just too many. Like you said, there's too many moving parts. There's nothing you can real. I mean, there's not enough that you can depend on really to to carry you through it. I don't know, but. Yeah. Uh, the whole concept of this extreme challenge thing, and uh, I don't know, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to to revel in it from uh, a spectator's perspective. But uh, I don't know. I think everybody needs to do one. I think it should be required. I think you should should just at a certain point in your life make a decision to to do something that'll take you out of your comfort zone, and whether that is uh, you know the hurricane heat which is like three or four hours at Spartan race events or uh, the hurricane heat 12 hours that they do at certain events across the country, certain Spartan race events. Uh, and then eventually work your way into something like the Agogi and kick off with 24 hours and come back for 48 and 60. Well, how about Everest? Yeah, Everest sounds cool too. Uh, the deal with Everest though is that it's, you know, $50,000 in stuff I'd have to own. Whereas Agogi, and, and while it was a you know relatively expensive event, I, the regular registration right now is three hundred and seventy five dollars. Um, but that that kind of goes back to Joe's initial plan with doing these death race events at his house is he wants to give that 
insane experience of achievement for a much more approachable uh, person. So, so somebody that's just your average guy that you know doesn't have fifty thousand dollars to spend on Everest level gear, you can still go out and push the absolute limits of your body in a little bit more approachable environment. With Everest, fifty grand is just getting uh, the permit. The permit to get to yeah base camp. Yeah, you no, you got a. I think it's about. Um, I think it's between thirty and fifty thousand dollars to get a permit to actually uh, approach the mountain. Wow. Um, as far as gear, that's a whole other deal. But you're definitely looking at a really, really expensive proposition. I had a while back. I, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but I had a guy approach me, and they had planned to do an IMAX series where. This guy was out of the blue, decided he's going to try to climb the seven summits in a year mm. with no experience in in mountain climbing whatsoever. His uh, background was in race car driving. Mm. And they came to me because, well, first they wanted me to do a VO2 on him, but they wanted to film it as part of their, uh, their uh, program that they were doing. And so the guy set out to do the seven summits and I I don't remember all the names of the summits, but the first one was in Russia, and he did that, and then he did Kilimanjaro, and then he went to it's called I think it's called the Karsten Steps, which is like in Indonesia or someplace down there, and he got sick, and scuttled the mission. Hmm. He got really sick, something with the water I think it was, and it took him out, hmm. but. Um, that was pretty crazy. I mean, when I started yeah. wrapping my head around what it takes to climb Everest, that's absolutely out of your mind. You, that's I don't I don't see that at all. I mean, if the opportunity comes up, Rich, I'm I'm you're there first in line. Yeah, I'm I'm game. Well, but. if anybody calls me and says, "Look, we're looking for a team. We want to go do this thing. I'm going to get you on the tickler. I'm going <laughs> to you're going to be the first call I make." Yeah, get me over there. I, um, <laughs> It's just a matter of opportunity. I'm very thankful for uh, for the path that I've had over the past year. That it started with Winter Death Race, and oh. after that, everything has been a breeze. Yeah. I can tell you that there's no event that can compare physically to to what went down at Winter Death Race 2015. Hmm. Um, my friends that finished it with me can vouch for that. Onward from there, Summer Death Race wasn't so bad uh, comparatively. It was still horrible, but it wasn't that bad. And then uh, the Agogis have, you know, kind of taken a different route. It's been something different. So that's going to be your war stories when you're bouncing your grandson on, on your knee. Yeah. yeah, son, when I was, uh, you know, the whippersnapper, I, I uh, did the death race. Matter of fact, did it a few times. Did it a few times. You can have that kind of conversation. Yeah, I can just show him the YouTube clip. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. So... I, I, you know, you took some of the steam out of a gogi for me. I, I just, oh, no. Well, it is what it is. I mean, when I started thinking about maybe I could do it, you know, that's just, yeah. I'm just I just took it off the extreme challenge list. Oh, it's a different direction. It's it's a, still an extreme challenge, and there's going to be people that quit at 002. There's going to be people that break and can't make it through. But for, for more of the people, it's going to be a, a learning experience. It's going to be an event where we have, certain things in place where you're going to learn lessons. You're going to have things set up to uh, to learn some valuable stuff. 
Have you ever watched the uh, program? I think, uh, what, what's it on? Um, there's a program on television. It's called Viking. Have you seen it? Uh, is it the one? What what channel is it on? Is it Vikings? Like the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Vikings. Well, there's the son of one of the uh, the leaders of the one of the Viking Viking tribes decides he's going to man up and just goes off in the wilderness to find himself, so to speak. Yeah. And um, they show him like it's freaking cold, man. I mean, you know, try to imagine you're like wrapping furs <laughs> around your legs to try to stay warm. Uh huh. And um, he's out there in the bush. Or not the bush. He's out there in the snow, and there's a bear out there. I mean, it's a grizzly bear. Oh yeah, I've seen that image. Where where he 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 killed the bear with a, with his his uh, hatchet, right? So he just fronts the bear and goes to war with the bear, <laughs> kills the bear. Now he's got meat, and you know he's got this like little um, uh, some of the bones I guess from the bear where he turns it into a fish hook and he's ice fishing, and uh, you know he's he's making his way. Now to me that is some serious stuff. You know you go out there and you I mean there's no there's no tent. You know there's just you lay down when you're tired and hopefully you're not going to wake up as a popsicle. Yeah, those are the types of things you can uh, you can expect to see from the future of gogies. I'm taking notes over here. Richard. All right, so here, let me let me try to set you up for one. Here's what I would do. Somebody charges me with creating a challenge. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the way I would do it. Pen in hand. Here we go. Week one. Week one is education. We're going to teach you all the things you need to know to survive. Okay. And then we're going to put you to the test. And the test is going to be a week long, too. You got no food. You just got, like, your hunting knife, maybe some some uh, fishing line, bare essentials. Nice. Know, we're set. A, a flint stone or something to make fire. Yep. And, you know, we'll give you ample amount of clothing. Uh, assuming that you know it's just not appropriate for you to try to kill somebody's dog to put a jacket on, right? And they just lead you off into some BFE place and say, "Okay, we need you to get from here to there. Uh, we've got a week, so let's say uh, let's just call it heavy terrain. Let's call it you got to cover 25, 30 miles a day to get to the end point, and it's on you to find food and water." And to survive for that week. And, that sounds great. Sounds yeah. like a good plan. So what a gogi is going to do is just smash all that into one weekend, sixty hours of all the good stuff you need to know to survive out in the wilderness. Hmm. Um, the the idea about learning for a week. So a gogi ties in with Spartan X. I don't know if you've heard about this yeah, at all. Yeah, sure. Heard about Spartan X. Yeah. So it's an online class kind of thing. It's like uh, 10 different modules, and the first one is about finding your true north, and that's what the first two agogis were based on. And these next few agogis are going to be about grit and persistence, which are the next two modules in Spartan X. So as soon as you sign up for 002, you'll be prompted to sign up for Spartan X and cover the modules about what's going to be going on at the agogi. Hmm. Who teaches the Spartan X? Um, it's it's a mix of videos from Joe DeSena and Colonel Nye and uh, all those cool guys at Spartan Race. I'm sure, Tony Matisse's and some of them, uh, Frank Grippy. Hmm. Now I, I thought you were talking about Spartan SGX. I guess I got it wrong. 
Uh, so yeah, that's like that. Uh, the the training trifecta is a Gogi, Spartan X, and Spartan SGX. Spartan SGX is like the training uh, certification right. to, to teacher coach. Right. SGX training. Okay, got it. So there's uh, and then this new thing is what the Delta. Yep. Yeah, the Delta. So you got to have an Agogi under your belt. You've got to sure. have a uh, a beast. I mean, essentially, you got to do all of the events in a given year. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a calendar year, and that's you know the regular tri- trifecta: sprint, super, beast. We got that, and then what I just mentioned was the uh, training trifecta, which is the Agogi, Spartan X, and Spartan SGX, and then there's the endurance trifecta, which is an ultra beast, a hurricane heat, and a hurricane twelve hour heat. Hmm. Any design on that? Uh, what do you mean design? Do you, do you have aspiration to get yourself one of them deltas? You know what? I I don't think I'm into it. I don't think I'm going to be the guy to um, run around to the to the Spartan races first to, uh, to you know to to win the first Delta. But I feel like over the course of the next couple years and my adventures that uh, I'll collect a whole Delta. I will at some point. I'm not going to rush to be first, but I'll collect mine, and it will be uh, it will be an important thing to me. Well, it's got to happen in a year, doesn't it? Or does it just have to happen over time? I think to be considered, you know, uh, a Spartan race official with a stamp and a seal on it, maybe you have to finish it in a year, but I feel like it, it could potentially take longer than that for myself or for some people. Yeah. Yep. I think it should, quite frankly. And I, I've yeah. always I've always been one to believe that um, train is training and racing are not the same thing. I, I think that right. the, not to suggest you're not doing anything, but you're preparing for the next event to do the best you can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how I've been training, uh, and I've been training on and off with you for the past, right. I don't know, year or so. Well, it's uh, been a while. We haven't really had a chance to, to mind melt in a while. Um, yeah. It's been crazy around here. It's been really busy. I, I've been doing a lot of stuff and working Likewise, with a lot, of, a lot of interesting people. Yeah. So. Great. Then this, uh, what is the thing coming up in uh, April that you're doing? Uh, Kokomo. Kokomo. <laughs> with the coconuts and the... Yep. Uh, Rum, rum drinks. Yeah. No, it's uh, Camp Kokoro in San Diego with Seal Fit and all those nice people at uh, Navy Seal Camp. And that's a what's that? A forty-hour thing? It's a fifty-hour. Okay. Fifty hours of fun. That's going to be a little more harsh, I'd have to believe. Have you done one of these before? I have not done any Seal Fit events before, but I'm a big fan, and I've read the books, and I'm I'm ready to rock. Yeah, I'd imagine they're not going to be nearly as uh, pussyfooting around as it sounds like the Agogi might have been. I don't know if pussyfooting is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what I would call it. I had a nice time. Whenever I was expecting death race level intensity at Agogi, I was pleasantly relieved at uh, the new route that they're taking. Uh, it wasn't easy for everybody, and there were plenty of people that were complaining endlessly. But uh, I was not one of them. I had a good time. How many people bailed? I want to say five. I think five people from the beginning to the end. And how many people started? 35. Oh, oh and there were also, like, I want to say a dozen people who were getting, like, the foot bath treatment from uh, from the medical team. So people's feet were freezing. Yeah. Who weren't wearing appropriate footwear or appropriate socks for extreme cold. So uh, they were getting nice foot baths, and they still finished, and we all had a good old time. And it's not really what Ogogi's about. The death race was about uh, finishing and getting the skull, and uh, being the toughest, 
and agogi is more about you know supporting your team and, and learning how to how to be a leader and take control of certain situations and uh, getting shit done. Have you ever thought about putting on a camp like that yourself for clients? Just kind of a preparatory. Let's get out and get wild. Absolutely, I think you should do it. Uh, it's on the radar, Rich. It's a, it's another thing that uh, I've been thinking about. It's, yeah, uh, kind of the direction that these events have pushed me, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. It's definitely it, on the radar. You know, I'm planning on doing a, a couple camps. And yeah, yeah. I think I I think I'm going to do it. I'm I've been wrapping my head around it, and. Um, I think I'm going to do it. What I want to do is because I see people for a few hours. They, you know, they come into my life. We do some things. I try to feed them as much information as I can, and they go off in the world and they try to, you know, work on what I've taught them. But I, I think I'd like to spend more time. I'd like to have like uh, I'm thinking in terms like a four day stint, where we could really, really dial in some of the treatments and processes where people when they leave they really have the information ingrained and i talked to hunter about it and we we toyed with the idea of of collaborating on the idea and having him get involved with some of the more grueling things that we have in mind and i'm not really interested in being an ocr coach but i'm i am interested in um refining the work that i do with the people that i i touch i'll share with you this i've never told anyone this but I'm sharing it with you, Dylan. We were going to call it the the Dirty Dozen. Oh. So my aspiration was to get six men, six women, four days, and then have them come out three times where they'd spend four days, three times, leading up to the world championship season. So the focus being to prepare people for world championships and whoever that might be whether it be a pro, whether it be somebody that's just really serious about trying to do well there. But they're basically going to be locked in. Uh, We're looking at probably six months' worth of influence, but three four-day stints where they come out, where we get in touch with them, we refine and and hone our skills, and carte blanche, all the things that we can do for them, we do for them. Uh, But that's kind of what's on my radar right now. I think that's a great idea. I like the idea of uh, three or four days because um, you know you can become immersed. You can become immersed in that culture if if you spend a weekend with with Hunter and yourself. Uh, you know your guy your your intensity that you have for uh, quality running and quality training. It's going to rub off. Those guys are going to learn some stuff. Well, I guarantee you they will. Yep. I guarantee. I, well, and you know what what uh, what spurred it on is I have a few athletes that have approached me that want to come out. They said, I want to spend three weeks with you. And I said, well, that's a little much. So let's, let's, Ooh, let's, hey. take, <laughs> let's take it a week at a time. <laughs> um, but we're going to do that anyway. So I thought, why not turn it into a little bit more, you know, I think it'd be more entertaining for me, quite frankly, if I had a small group and tight group where it, they don't get lost. Yeah. And, and we can yep. really, really get in there and, and hone some skills. And then, you know, drive it because it's more of a science project for me to see cool. yeah. if we had that much control over people over a short period of time, what we could create. And I, I have pretty high aspiration for it. I, I know. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with Hunter, and I've been spending. I'm going to spend a lot more time with him all through this season. We've You're a lucky got, man. Well, we've already got a plan, and, and I could tell you that 
the work we've been doing is really paying off for him. He's starting to really come together, and I, I almost feel sorry for his competition. Uh, yeah, it sucks for them. Yeah, I'm glad I'm I'm I'm, I'm not in that department. That's not my. That's it's not your wheelhouse. Thing. No, yeah, it's all Hunter. Yeah, got it. Well, Dylan, <laughs> it's always fun talking to you. So you're you're going to come out. It's like April, right? Yeah, April 22nd. And I'll, I'm going to hope to be out there a little bit early so I can stop in and hang out with you. Yeah, I was going to say you need to do it. You need I to will. do it. And uh, let's let's spend some quality time. Let's see if we can. Maybe there's a little something I could share with you that might make your uh, stay with the uh, with the grunts a little bit more appealing. Wonderful. I would appreciate it. Great, man. It was awesome, Richard. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. It's good talking to you. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.